ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله verily the praise belongs to allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is a slave servant and his messenger i would like to begin this evening bismillahi ta'ala in this lecture number 30 from the sharh or explanation of kitab at-tawhid alladhi huwa haqqullah ala al-abid by al-imam muhammad ibn abdul wahhab ibn sulaiman At-Tamimi An-Najdi Rahimahullah The chapter under discussion this evening has been entitled by the author Rahimahullah Bab Qawlullahi Ta'ala Afa'aminu Makrallah Afa'aminu Makrallah This is a portion of the ayah of Surah Al-A'raf chapter 7 verse 99 dealing with the matter of those who felt secure or safe from the maqra of Allah and likewise this chapter its title should also include the following evidence the second evidence that the imam mentioned which should be combined with this one that is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah al-hijr chapter 15 verse 56 قال ومن يقنط من رحمه ربه الا الضالون and this one and this ayat deals with those who fall into despair and hopelessness from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يعني these two matters الامن من مكر الله feeling safe and secure from the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has set in motion against those who disobey him and who disbelieve in him to give them plentiful from his bounties and his favors until they become unmindful of what is about to befall them so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends upon them his punishment suddenly while they are unaware this is the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way that he deals with those who disbelieve in him and those who disobey him that he gives them of his bounties and favors so that they become unaware of the danger that they are approaching and at that point while they are unaware Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends his punishment upon them suddenly whoever feels secure and safe from the maqr of Allah while they are in disobedience to him and disbelieving in him have indeed has indeed falling into a major sin and likewise the one who feels hopeless and in despair from the mercy the rahma of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also fallen into a major sin and this chapter it has it is set with the intention yani the intention of the author is to remind us and to make us to know of the obligation of avoiding these two sins and the way to avoid them is by combining al khawf and الرجال الخوف having fear of the punishment of Allah and fear of the maqr of Allah and الرجال having hope in the mercy of Allah and his favor the obligation of combining الخوف and الرجال and avoiding الامن feeling safe and secure from Allah's plan and avoiding الياس or القنوط 
any hopelessness and despair from the mercy of Allah. Before we begin to mention the four evidences that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has mentioned in this chapter, I would like to briefly read, inshallah, that which will be of benefit to us as a general presentation of this topic from the Ta'aliq Al-Mufid ala Kitab al-Tawheed by Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Abdullah ibn Baz rahimahullah. And he says concerning this chapter in his brief comments that this chapter, it has been designed for clarification of the prohibition of feeling safe and secure from the makr of Allah. Yani, this chapter is to clarify that it is prohibited for anyone to feel safe and to feel secure from the punishment of Allah overcoming them. And likewise, Al-Qunut min rahmatillah, that no, that it is prohibited that anyone fall into total despair and hopelessness, feeling that there is no hope for them to achieve the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, to clarify some of the major sins that are mentioned in the ayat and the hadith of this chapter. And the Shaykh rahimahullah says that Al-Amnu min makrillah feeling secure from the makr of Allah, from the design or the plan of Allah to overcome his enemies. Suddenly, while they are unaware, while they are in disobedience to him or in disbelief of him, feeling secure from the makr of Allah, it is of the kabair, the major sins. And it leads, this feeling leads the person to being lenient and careless concerning the prohibitions of Allah. Whoever feel secure from the makr of Allah, then their actions and their character and their uh, behavior, it will be evil because they will not fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they feel safe from Him, they will have no fear of His punishment and therefore they will be careless and they will not pay attention to what they are doing in terms of what Allah has commanded or prohibited. And likewise, al-qunut, hopelessness or despair and al-yas, which is similar in meaning from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is also prohibited it is forbidden it is of the kabair and it is having an evil estimation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani hopelessness feeling that there is no hope for one to experience or to benefit from the mercy of Allah and a person with this feeling is destroyed the Shaykh says that that is which is obligatory upon the Muslim is that he should be between these two matters. And he should be in the position between these two. Having hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hoping for his mercy, and having fear for one's sins and disobedience to Allah, fearing his punishment. So that a person should not fall headlong into disobedience to Allah and at the same time while they are in disobedience to Allah, they are feeling safe from his punishment, from his makr. And likewise, the person should not give up hope of the mercy of Allah, but in fact, they should be like a bird flying with two wings. Both of those wings are of equal importance. Some of the scholars have preferred al-khawf, that it is preferable in the situation of the person who is in good health in safety and security that they should give preference to the fear of Allah and this is because that person is more able to disobey him and more likely to fall into disobedience while the one who is sick especially at the approach of death they should give preference to the raja the hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hope for his mercy because that person is weakened and less able to perform the good deeds and acts of obedience. However, the original condition of the Muslim is that he should be balanced between these two. Uh, likewise, the Shaykh makes a comment about one of the hadith that is following and it is the hadith of Ibn Abbas which we will come to. I'll just mention his comment here so we don't have to come back to it. He says that this hadith of Ibn Abbas it has been narrated marfu'an and mawkufan. It has been narrated marfu'an attributed to the Prophet وسلم, and it has been narrated mawqufan attributed to Abdul ibn Abbas and he says that the mawquf if it is that one which is mawquf it takes on the ruling of rough yani that it should be attributed to the Prophet وسلم, because this is not of the matters that one is allowed to make ijtihad in and 
It is also possible that Abdul ibn Abbas may have made ijtihad in this matter and came to this conclusion using as proofs the text in the Quran and the Sunnah which indicate the correctness of this statement in any case. He says that this statement, whether it is marfu'an or mawkufan, it is sahih. It is sahih, it is a correct statement, whether it is marfu' or mawkuf. Also, as an introduction, just quickly to mention uh, a brief statement as an introduction to this chapter from Shaykh Abdurrahman ibn Hassan, the grandson of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahumullah, and his Sharh Qurratul Uyun al Muwahideen. Sharh uh, Kitab al-Tawheed, in which he says that the author intended, rahimahullah, by this chapter, he intended to let us know that the one who feels safe and secure from the makr of Allah, this is an indication of the weakness of his iman. The one who feels safe and secure from the makr of Allah, from the plan of Allah, from the design of Allah, from Allah's punishment, the one who feels that he is safe and secure, either because he is unmindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, totally, and careless about what Allah has commanded or prohibited, or because he thinks, because he is pleased with himself, because of his good deeds, so he thinks that he cannot be punished. In any case, this is a sign of weakness of iman. And it leads that person to, to be careless about abandoning the obligatory duties or committing the prohibited acts. And this is because of the absence of his fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, concerning what he does or what he abandons. And this is of the greatest of sins uh, and the most comprehensive of defective actions. And then the Shaykh says, concerning the first ayat which we would take after this statement, he says the meaning of the first ayat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he reminded us in the previous verses before this ayat of the condition of the people of the cities and towns who had denied the messengers, who had denied them, who disbelieved in them, after mentioning these stories, then he makes clear that what caused them to deny and to disbelieve it was that they felt safe and secure from the punishment of Allah. They felt that they were safe and secure from the punishment of Allah and they didn't have fear of Allah's punishment or Allah's plan. And that was, and that is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, and he, by degree, he, he causes his punishment to approach them by giving them of his favors and his bounties until they think it is far-fetched and not possible or likely that the reason why Allah has favored them and given his bounties is because they are going to be punished. And if they think that it is far-fetched that they will be punished in the condition that they are in while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them of the worldly benefits and the worldly favors. But he only gave them this in order for them to fall asleep and to become unconscious and unaware so that his punishment will befall on them suddenly. The first evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentions in this chapter is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَفَأَمِنُوا مَكْرَ اللَّهِ Do they feel safe and secure from the makr of Allah, from the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to destroy them suddenly while they are unaware? Do they feel safe and secure from the makr of Allah? فَلَا يَأْمَنُوا مَكْرَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ then he says, indeed, no one feels safe from the plan of Allah, from the power of Allah, from the punishment of Allah, except the people who are khasirun, the people who are losers, who are halikun, the people who will be destroyed. No one feels safe from the punishment of Allah except the people who will be destroyed. Because their feeling of safety from the punishment of Allah, it causes them to be careless in obeying Allah's commands and avoiding his prohibitions and this is what leads to their destruction. The Shaykh says the general meaning of this ayah, Shaykh Muhammad al-Tar'awi, Hafizahullah, says that in this ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repudiates the people of the towns and the cities and those who follow in their way because of the fact that they have not given the proper respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they didn't fear his istidraj yani they didn't fear the fact that he would gradually 
approached them with his punishment while granting them of his favors and blessings so that they would become unaware and then his punishment would suddenly befall them. They didn't fear such, even though they were engrossed in disobedience to him. And then suddenly Allah's wrath befell them and Allah's disfavor befell them. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes clear that no one feels safe from the punishment of Allah or the plan of Allah, the makr of Allah, except the people who will be destroyed, the people who are losers. From this hadith or from this ayat, the shaykh mentions three qawaid or benefits. The first of them is that it is obligatory to, that a Muslim should have fear of the makr of Allah. It is obligatory. It's wajib that a Muslim should feel insecure and shouldn't feel so confident that they will not be punished. But they should fear Allah's punishment. And they should fear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may overcome them because of their shortcomings or their wrongdoings or sins, etc. Number two, the prohibition of describing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the description of al-makr. Yani it is permissible to describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this sifa, this characteristic of makr. That is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans against his enemies. He plans to destroy them in a way that his punishment would befall them suddenly while they are unaware. This planning against someone, it is the makr, it is permissible to describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with it, ala sabil al-muqabala, ala sabil al-muqabala. That means that you may describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or he may be described with this description only in reference to the makr of the enemies of Allah. When they plot and plan against the prophets of Allah or the awliya of Allah or against the deen of Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans against them. Otherwise, al-makr, it is a sifat, a sifa of naqs, of defect. But it is, in this case, muqabala, in muqabala, yani in, in response to the planning and plotting of the enemies of Allah, it is a sifa of perfection because it shows the power of Allah to respond to his enemies and to overcome them. So it is permissible to describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with such a description, not in the absolute sense, but in the restricted sense, only in response to the makr of the enemies, to overcome them and to destroy them. Number three, the safety from the, or feeling safe from the makr of Allah, the plan of Allah, it is a cause of one's destruction. Whoever feels safe from the plan of Allah, then it will be a cause of their destruction, because they will fall into disobedience to Allah, and they will fail to obey his commands. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion is that this ayat, this noble ayat, indicates the obligation of al-khawf, the obligation of having fear of the makr of Allah, and not feeling safe and secure from it. It is obligatory, it is an act of worship, to have khawf, to have fear of Allah's plan, to have fear from Allah's design, to have fear that Allah's punishment might overcome one. A Muslim should fear Allah's punishment and fear his makr. And this ayat indicates that it is obligatory to do so. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that no one feels secure or safe from his makr, then it means that, except the losers, then it means that the believers, they don't feel secure and safe, but they have fear from Allah's punishment. The relationship of this ayat to the general top topic of tawheed is that this ayat indicates the prohibition of feeling safe from the makr of Allah because whoever feels safe from the makr of Allah, it requires that they view or that they consider there to be a fault or imperfection or defect in the absolute perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, they, they don't see Allah as being absolutely perfect because they feel that they are safe and that they can escape from the punishment of Allah. And this is a negation of the perfection of Tawheed. It is a negation of the perfection of Tawheed. It is not a negation of Tawheed in totality, but it negates the perfection of Tawheed. Yani the person's Tawheed is imperfect and defective who falls into feeling secure from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second evidence that the Imam rahimahullah mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hijr, chapter 15, Verse 56. Yani this, this ayat comes in a series of ayats 
in which the news was brought to the Prophet Ibrahim السلام, the news of his son, that he was going to have a son and he asked them, of what are you giving me the good news while I am in old age? Yani he was in old age and his wife was in old age. How then, yani why would they then come and give him the good news of a son in that condition? And they said to him, we give you the good news of that which is true. Don't be of those who despair, who feel hopeless from achieving the favor of Allah or being saved from or rescued from yani calamity or the punishment or harm. In reference to this, the Prophet Ibrahim السلام, said, قَالَ وَمَنْ يَقْنَطُ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّهِ And who feels despair of the mercy of his Lord? إِلَّا الضَّالُونَ Except those who are straight, except those who are lost, who are off the path, or the disbelievers. Meaning, it is a question which, which its meaning is a negation. Yani who has uh, falls into despair from the mercy of Allah? It means no one falls into despair of Allah's mercy except those who are straight, except those who are off the path, or the disbelievers. And the Shaykh says the general meaning of this ayat is that when we know that the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses everything, and when we know that the prophets, that they were those who are most knowledgeable about the rahmah or the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his generosity, that they were the best knowers of that amongst humanity. In that case, Ibrahim السلام, made clear that he was not uh, in doubt of the possibility that he would have a son in his old age and while his wife was old in age. He was not in doubt about the possibility of it, but yani, not do, it was not due to his having despair or hopelessness of the Rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his bounty and his favor. But he said so only indicating that it was something strange or unusual that he would have a child according to what normally happens amongst the human beings. At that age people don't normally have children. Therefore he made his statement only as an indication of the fact that it was unusual and it was strange that he would have children at that age or that he would have a child at that age. Not that he had doubt or that he was hopeless or in despair of the rahmah of Allah. And the rahmah of Allah, the rahmah of Allah, it is, its general meaning includes Allah's favor coming to you as well as Allah's protection from harm or rescuing one from a calamity that has befallen them. It includes the achieving of that which is, which is good as well as the prevention of that which is harmful. Uh, and then Ibrahim السلام, informs us that no one is in despair of the rahmah, the mercy of Allah, except those who have went off the path of truth, who have deviated from the correct path or the disbelievers. The Shaykh says that there are three, he mentions three benefits from this ayah. The first of them is the prohibition, tahrim al-qunut. Tahrim al-qunut, yani having, being in a state of despair or hopelessness, min rahmatillah. Being in a state of despair, from the mercy of Allah, it is haram. Number two, the affirmation of the sifa or the characteristic of ar-rahmah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he may be described with this characteristic of mercy. But he should, it should be understood that its description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is in the way that is befitting or suitable to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third point is that al-qunut min rahmatillah, despair from the mercy of Allah, is of the signs of al-jahl wal-dalal. It is a sign of ignorance and astray, of being astray. Yani the one who has no hope of Allah's mercy, it is a sign that he is ignorant of the all-encompassing nature of Allah's mercy and his favor and his bounty to humanity. And it is also an indication that that person is off the path, that they are astray. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion is that this noble ayat indicates the prohibition of falling into despair from the mercy of Allah. It is haram for a Muslim to be in despair of Allah's mercy. Number And also the relationship of this ayat to the general topic of tawheed is that this noble ayat indicates the prohibition of falling into despair of the mercy of Allah because that is an indication that one views the absolute generosity and bounty of Allah as being defective because it's from Allah's karam and from Allah's fadl and from Allah's ni'm 
and from Allah's Rahmah that He helps the one who is in a difficult condition or the one who is in need and due to Allah's absolute generosity no one who is in need of Allah's favor should fall into despair whoever falls into despair then they see Allah's bounty and favor and generosity as being imperfect and defective and such a thought or feeling or belief it is a negation of the perfection of a tawheed and it is a negation of the perfection or the completeness of one's tawheed the one who falls into this situation then they will not have they will not achieve the perfection of a tawheed but their tawheed would be imperfect and incomplete the third evidence that the imam mentions is the hadith that Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz rahimahullah mentioned it has been narrated marfu'un and mawkufun and in any case it is its meaning is correct in any case its meaning is correct either even the mawquf it may be considered as marfu'un as attributed to the Prophet sallallahu as of those matters that it is unlikely that it should be a statement should be made such as this just from ijtihad and if it was from the ijtihad of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma then it was an ijtihad based on the evidence in the Quran and the Sunnah that proved the truthfulness and accuracy of this statement. An ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam su'ila an al-kabair he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was questioned or asked about al-kabair the major sins he was asked about the major sins فَقَالَ أَشْرِكُوا بِاللَّهِ يعني he mentioned from amongst the major sins he mentioned three of them the first of them أَشْرِكُوا بِاللَّهِ that is associating something as an equal or as a share one who shares with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which is exclusive to him whether it is in Rububiyyah or Uluhiyyah or Asma wa Sifat يعني in his lordship or his divinity or right to worship or in his perfect names and qualities وَالْيَأْسُ مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ الْيَأْسُ despair from the rawh of Allah, the mercy of Allah here الرَوْح and الرَّحْمَة is similar except that الرَّوْح it is more commonly and usually applied to uh, saving someone or rescuing someone from some calamity whereas الرَّحْمَة includes the rescuing from calamity as well as the preventing of calamity as well as the giving of one of Allah's bounty or favor الْيَأْسُ مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ The one who feels despair from uh, the relief of Allah يعني Allah's relief from calamity وَالْأَمْنُ مِنْ مَقْرِ اللَّهِ And feeling safe and secure from the plan of Allah يعني the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala against those who disbelieve in Him or disobey Him when He plans to destroy them suddenly while they are unaware uh, the first yani, the first thing before mentioning the general meaning of this ayah Al-Kabair as some of the scholars have mentioned uh, Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah said that Al-Kabair or Al-Kabira the singular of Kabair the major sin it is that which uh, results in a particular or special punishment whether that punishment befalls the person in this world or in the next life and it is an act which leads to a particular specific punishment for the one who commits it whether in this world or in the next life and whether that punishment is by taking away from them or preventing them from receiving something that is beloved and desired or by causing to befall them that which is disliked or hated this is a general definition of Al-Kabira or Al-Kabair from Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah and this definition should be preferred as opposed to those scholars who said that the Kabair are limited to a number seven major sins or seventy major sins or a particular number but a general description of what may fall under Kabair is a better definition because there are many many uh, Kabair there are many many major sins that the scholars have listed those who have taken the time to try to identify that which is a kabira other scholars said that the kabira or the major sin is every sin for which there has been a specified 
legal punishment, had in this world, a legal punishment, like stealing or drinking alcohol or zina and so on. Those sins where there is a specific legal punishment mentioned in the Quran or the Sunnah. Or for which there is a threat in the next life, a threat of some punishment in the next life. Or that which is mentioned, the one who does it, he will, he will earn the anger or the wrath of Allah. The ghadab of Allah or the la'na of Allah, the curse of Allah. Or that which is mentioned, the one who does it, mentioned about the one who does it, that it nullifies his iman. Or those in which the Prophet ﷺ said that he is free. Yani bari'un. From the one, he is free of responsibility or blame of the one who does such and such action. All of these will be considered under al-kabair or the major sins. Then the shaykh, he says, the general meaning of, the general meaning of this hadith is that when we understand that ata'a, obedience, it was the main concern of the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It was their primary objective in their life to obey Allah, to always be engaged in ata'a, acts of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For that reason they asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu about al-kabair, about the major sins, so that they would avoid them, so that they could avoid them. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu informed them about some of the major sins and perhaps the most important of them. And he began indeed with that which is the greatest of them or the most severe, that is a shirk. And that is because associating something as an equal or a partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that which is his exclusive right. The one who commits such an act, then his actions would be unacceptable and they would be incorrect, the one who falls into shirk. No matter what was the intention behind it and no matter how excellent he has performed it. But if he has fallen into shirk in committing any act, regardless of his intention and regardless of how excellent he has performed that act, it will never be accepted and it indeed will be rejected. And then he mentioned, secondly, Al-Ya'su min rahmatillah or rawhillah and the one who falls into despair of the mercy of Allah. And the third of them, Al-Amnu min makrillah, the one who feels safe and secure from the makr, from the plan or the punishment or the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is because these last two, a Muslim, a Muslim should always be should always avoid them. That means he should, instead of feeling safe from the punishment of Allah, he should have fear of Allah's punishment. And instead of uh, feeling, having despair from Allah's mercy, he should have hope. So that a Muslim should be between al-khawf, fear, and al-raja, hope. Fear of Allah's punishment and hope of his mercy so that he is balanced. And the fear of Allah's punishment so he will not fall into disobedience and the hope of Allah's mercy so that he will not fall into despair and give up. So he would not yani, give up totally from Allah's mercy and his mercy encompasses everything. And whoever does so, then he has had an evil consideration of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the most noble and generous of those who are generous. And also he should avoid depending totally upon the mercy of Allah any total dependence on Allah's mercy so that he will abandon doing the actions for which he has been created. And if he depends absolutely upon Allah's great mercy, then he might abandon doing the good deeds and the acts of obedience and the acts of worship that he has been created for, thinking that since Allah's mercy is all-encompassing, it will encompass him and he will escape from Allah's punishment for his act of disobedience or falling short in obedience to Allah. The Shaykh mentions here concerning this hadith six benefits, fawaid. The first of them is that al-dhunub, sins are divided into kabair and sagair. Sins are divided into kabair, major sins, and sagair, minor sins. And according to this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ was asked about al-kabair. So this is the proof. If there is such a thing as kabair, they are also sagair, minor sins. If they are major sins, then they are minor sins. The second thing is the prohibition of each of the following ashirk billah, associating anything as an equal to Allah, whether in rububiyyah, attributing that which is the right of Allah as the creator and the owner and the one who gives life and death, or whether in ubudiyyah, 
offering any act of worship to Allah to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or whether in asma wa sifat describing somebody with the, the perfect descriptions that belong to Allah alone all of this is shirk and shirk is of those things that are prohibited likewise al-ya'su min rawhillah any having despair from Allah's mercy and al-amnu min makrillah feeling safe from Allah's punishment all of these are of the kabair in fact al-shirk is the greatest of the kabair akbar of kabair Number three, the obligation, wujub al-jam' bain al-khawf wa min Allah. That is obligatory on the believer to combine these two acts of worship. Al-khawf, fear from Allah's punishment, and al-raja, hope of Allah's mercy. Number four, isbat sifat al-rahma lillah. Confirmation or affirmation of the description of rahma, mercy, as a description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that is suitable and befitting to His Majesty, His Greatness, and His Glory. Number five, the permissibility of describing Allah with al-makr. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed plans. But this should be fi muqabalat al-makirin. Yani in reaction to or in response to those who plot and plan from amongst the enemies of the deen of Allah or the enemies of the prophets of Allah or the awliya of Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans against them and it shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is totally capable to plan, to make a plan against the plan of his enemies and to defeat them. Number six, the obligation of ihsan al-dhan billah azza wa jalla. And it is obligatory on the Muslim to have a good thought or a good consideration of Allah, to think well of Allah and to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indeed merciful and generous and bountiful and that whatever their condition may be, especially when they are at the point of death, they should have ihsan al-dhan, thinking well of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and hoping and expecting truly Allah's mercy. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the obligation of combining these two acts of worship, al-raja, hope, and al-khawf, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani the opposite of al-ya'su or al-qunut despair from the mercy of Allah and al-amnu, feeling safe and secure. A Muslim should not have despair, nor should he feel safe and secure from the punishment of Allah, but he should have hope for Allah's uh, rahmah and he should have fear of Allah's punishment. The relationship of this hadith to the general topic of tawheed is that this hadith indicates the obligation of combining between hope of Allah's mercy and fear of his punishment, and that is because this is, this confirms the absolute perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person fears Allah's punishment, knowing that Allah is mighty and able to punish, and, Allah, and, and the person has hope of Allah's mercy, knowing that Allah's mercy is all-encompassing, this shows the, the absolute perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and this is the way to achieve the perfection of a tawheed yani by combining between the two, hope and fear. And the Shaykh, Shaykh Muhammad, Qur'awi, Hafizullah mentions here a note that some of the scholars said that it is obligatory on the Muslim who is traveling towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he take the road between al-raja and al-khawf, hope and fear like the bird, like the bird flying with his two wings, keeping them balanced and equal. However, some of them said that the precedence should be given to al-raja, hope, hope of Allah's mercy if the person was at the, at the point of death, in the sickness of death or if the person was in a condition where they had lost hope of life, and yani they thought that it was the end of their life, in that condition they should give precedence to the raja, the hope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's all-encompassing mercy. However, some other scholars said, which he doesn't mention here, but the, 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 yani, the um, logical yani, extension of this point is that the Muslim should give precedence to al-khawf, if he was in a healthy condition, not fearing death, not at the point of death, then he should give precedence to fear, and that is for the one who is in disobedience to Allah. Yani he should have fear of Allah's punishment. Otherwise, the one who is in good health and is in obedience to Allah, then he should keep the balance between the two, the hope and the fear, hoping for Allah's mercy due to his good deeds and fearing Allah's punishment due to his shortcomings because the human being indeed is imperfect. The last evidence that the Imam mentions, Rahimahullah, is 
the ether which is mawkuf from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu he said akbar al-kabair the greatest of the kabair the most severe of the major sins and he mentions four al-ishraq billah and he making shirk associating something as an equal or to share with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which is, is his exclusive right al-amnu min maqrillah feeling safe and secure from the plan of Allah or the power of Allah or the punishment of Allah al-qunut min rahmatillah having despair of the mercy of Allah and al-ya'su min rawhillah yani feeling despair or hopelessness from the relief of Allah yani or the rescuing of Allah from one who has fallen into calamity uh, some of the scholars said that these two, the last two, Al-Qunut, Min Rahmatillah, and Al-Ya'su, Min Rawhillah, Ya'ani, Al-Rahma and Al-Rawh, the meanings are almost the same. They have the same meaning basically. However, Al-Rahma is more general, and it includes, as we mentioned, the achieving of Allah's favor, as well as the repulsing of Allah's displeasure or the harm that may befall someone. While Al-Rawh, it is generally referred to, uh, it is generally used in reference to rescuing someone or saving someone or securing someone from some calamity. So here, Abdul ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhuma mentions four of the akbar al-kabair, the most severe of the major sins, associating something with Allah, feeling secure from the makar of Allah, feeling hopeless, hopelessness from the mercy of Allah, and feeling despair from the rescue of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rawahu Abdul Razak, he said it has been reported by Abdul Razak in his book uh, Al-Musannaf. Uh, the any complete discussion of the sources of these hadith and the discussions concerning them have been given in the handout. For the purpose of saving time, we will skip them. In any case, yani the as we said, the, both of these, the first from Abdul ibn Abbas, it is either marfu'an or mawkuf with the hukum of marfu' attributing to the Prophet and the meaning of it is indeed sahih and likewise the second the mawkuf statement of Abdul ibn Abbas of Abdul ibn Mas'ud it is also a correct statement that the most severe of the major sins are these four which he has mentioned associating something with Allah feeling safe and secure from the makr of Allah or having despair of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. The Shaykh says general meaning of this statement of Ibn Abbas of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu is that he informs us that the sins are divided into three types Sagair, minor sins, Kabair, major sins, and Akbar Kabair, the most severe of the major sins. And most of the scholars divided sins into two divisions, major and minor. However, here in this statement of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, we understand that even from amongst the kabair, some of them are greater than others. And the greatest of them, or the most severe of them, is associating something as an equal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is because uh, no deed will be correct or accepted while it has been done associating someone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in it. Then he mentioned after a shirk, feeling secure, safe from the makar of Allah and this is that a person is deceived while he is in disobedience to Allah he is deceived by Allah's favors and bounties befalling him he is deceived into believing that he is safe and secure from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until Allah's punishment befalls him suddenly and that is because uh, and this should be avoided feeling safe and secure from the punishment of Allah is because it leads a person to relying totally upon the favor of Allah and the mercy of Allah which causes them to abandon doing those deeds for which they have been created yani the deeds of obedience to Allah then he mentioned despair al-ya'su or al-qunut from the rawfullah rahmati from the mercy of Allah uh, he mentioned this one as the third one and this one is of the greatest of the major sins because it leads the person to having evil thoughts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala evil estimation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala suwadhan billah yani not uh, acknowledging the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
his mercy and his bounty and his favor to humanity. The Shaykh mentions here five benefits from uh, this effort. And the first of them is the prohibition of these three things. Associating something with Allah, feeling safe from the makar of Allah, and feeling despair from the mercy of Allah. All of these are of the kaba'ir. Number two, that sins are divided into three. Sagha'ir, minor sins, kaba'ir, major sins, and akbar al-kaba'ir, the greatest of the major sins. Number three, the permission or the permissibility of describing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with al-makr. Not in the absolute sense, but in the restricted sense of describing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as planning against those who planned against his deen or against his prophets and messengers or the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this restricted sense, it may be used because in this sense, it is a description of perfection, showing Allah's ability and his power to overcome the plans of his enemies. Otherwise, uh, in the absolute sense, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should not be described as such, nor should he be named as al-matir, nor should he be named as al-matir, the one who plots or plans, because this is a description that is only used in a restricted sense. Number four, the affirmation of the sifa of ar-rahmah, the description of mercy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the way that is suitable and befitting of his majesty and his glory. And number five, the obligation of having balance in all of our affairs يعني, taking the balanced position not going to either extreme and here he's referring to الرجاء and الخوف having hope of Allah's mercy and also at the same time having fear of his punishment and this balance course it is the description of the balanced ummah the followers of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah having balance in all of the issues that the people, people deviated from in the issue of Iman, in the issue of Qadr al-Qadha, in Asma wa Sifat and is that it indicates the obligation of combining the obligation of al-raja, hope, and al-khawf, fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In relationship to the general topic of tawheed is that it indicates the obligation of combining these two acts of worship, hope and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because this is that which confirms the absolute perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is the way to achieve the complete and perfect tawheed. Uh, the masail or the issues are only four in this chapter and the Shaykh has not discussed them Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sari Uthaymin has not discussed them in any detail however we will mention them quickly uh, the first of them is tafsir ayatul a'raf yani the explanation of the first evidence that is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afa'aminu makrallah fala ya'amanu makrallah illa al-qawm al-khasirun yani that should anyone or they, يعني, why is it that they feel safe from the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And this ayah came after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described the punishment and destruction of the previous nations. And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Afa'aminu makr Allah, do they feel safe from the makr of Allah and that it will also overcome them likewise? And no one feels safe from the makr of Allah except Al Qawm Al Khasirun, those who are losers, those who will be destroyed. The second issue, Al-Mas'ala Al-Thaniya, Tafsir Ayatul Hijr, يعني, the explanation of the verse in Surah Al-Hijr, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَمَا يَقْنَتُ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّهِ إِلَّا الضَّالُونَ Who is it that falls into despair? Who is it that has despair of the mercy of his Lord except a ضَالُون, those who have gone astray from the right path, those who have gone off the path, those who have deviated? Who is it? The meaning of it is, there is no one who despairs of the mercy of Allah except those who have gone astray. Al-Mas'ala al-Thalitha, the third issue, is Shiddatul Wa'id, Thiman Amana Makrullah, the severity of the Wa'id, the threat of punishment, the Wa'id, the threat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, concerning those who felt safe and secure from the Makr of Allah. And this is because the one who feels safe from the matter of Allah, he is falling into one of the greatest of the kabair, of the major sins. 
as is indicated in the ayat in the hadith, and this is understood from the first ayat uh, that has been mentioned here, that no one feels secure from the makar of Allah except those, the khasirun, those who are the losers, those who will be destroyed. And also it is understood from the two hadith that have been mentioned from Abdul ibn Abbas in the statement of Abdul ibn Mas'ud. That these are of the kabair or the akbar of kabair, the most major sins. The fourth issue, Arabia, Shiddatul Wa'id, Fil Qunut, the severity of the threat of those who fall into despair from the mercy of Allah, the severity of the threat of the punishment of Allah, and this is understood from the second ayah, that is the saying of Allah, who despairs from the mercy of Allah except the Dalun, those who have gone astray. And also from both hadith which indicate that it is a major sin or it is of the most severe of the major sins. Uh, the questions in the handout, we may look at them. What is the meaning of makrullah and al-amnu min makrullah? Yani makrullah, it means, as some of the scholars said, it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gradually approaches those who are in disobedience to Him or in disbelief. He gradually approaches them with His punishment in a way that they will be unaware that they are about to be punished and that is by giving them plenty of His bounties and His favors. Yani, At-Tabari said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives His servant plenty of His favors while they are in disobedience to Him or in disbelief to Him so that He may suddenly overcome them while they are unaware. Al-Amnu min Makrullah, it means that a person feels safe and secure and they have no fear that Allah's punishment may befall them. What is the meaning of Rawhullah or Al-Ya'su min Rawhullah? Rawhullah, it is similar to Rahmatullah, however it is primarily used in reference to rescuing someone from uh, calamity. So no one should, yes. That is, they should, no one should feel despair and hopelessness that Allah, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rescuing them from some calamity. Uh, explain the difference between al-ya'su min rawhillah and al-qunut min rahmatillah. We said that the rawhillah and rahmatillah are similar, uh, except that rawhillah refers to being saved or rescued from calamity and rahmatullah it includes that as well as receiving Allah's bounty. It is from Allah's rahmah that somebody is given his favor and his, and his bounty. So the rahmah is, is, is all-inclusive. It is more general. And likewise, al-ya'su and al-qunut are similar in meaning, meaning despair, except that al-qunut is shiddat al-ya's. Yani it is a severity of despair. Yani al-ya'su is having despair and al-qunut is that the person is at the extreme extent of hopelessness and despair. What does the author intend by combining the two verses of this chapter? And by combining the two verses of this chapter, he intends to make us to know that it is obligatory that a person should avoid these two major sins, feeling safe from the makr of Allah and feeling hopelessness from the mercy of Allah. That is, a Muslim should combine the opposite of these two things, al-khawf and al-raja. He should have fear of Allah's punishment and hope of Allah's mercy. The obligation of combining these two acts of worship. What is meant by al-khasirun in the first verse in Surah Al-A'raf 799? Al-khasirun, it means the losers. Al-khasirun are the losers. Al-halikun, those who will be destroyed. Those who will be destroyed. What is meant by Ad-Dalun in Surah Al-Hijr, chapter 15, verse 56? Ad-Dalun, it means those who have gone astray, who have missed the mark, who have went off the straight path, who have deviated from the straight path. Uh, what are the divisions of Ad-Dhunub? According to most of the scholars, Ad-Dhunub are sins are divided into Al-Kabair, major sins, and Al-Saghair, minor sins. And according to the statement of Abdul ibn Abbas, we may understand that the major sins of Kabair may also be divided into uh, those which are more severe, Akbar al-Kabair. Define al-Kabair and discuss whether al-Kabair are limited to a certain number. Yani some of the scholars said the Kabair are seven, according to some hadith, and some said thirty and forty and seventy, as they numbered, as they searched through the text of Quran and Sunnah, 
However, the definition of Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah is an all-inclusive. It doesn't limit to a certain number, but it limits it to a description. And that description or that definition of Kabair that he gave is that act which results in a particular or specific punishment. Whether that punishment befalls them in this world or whether it befalls them in the next life. And it being the same, whether that punishment is through preventing something that is desirable or beloved from reaching them or causing to befall them that which is hated or disliked. And from amongst those things which also, that is the definition of Shaykh Ibn Taymiyyah, and from amongst those things that also indicate the kabair or that which is described, yani the actions which are described, the person who does it is described as uh, achieving or befalling them the la'na or the curse of Allah, or al-ghadab, the anger or wrath of Allah, or that the Prophet ﷺ said, أَنَا بَرِيٌّ مِنْهُمْ yani that he is free of any connection or relationship uh, to those who do such acts. Define a shirk and mentioning its divisions. A shirk is to make something as an equal to Allah, sharing with Him that which is His exclusive right. Whether it is in the tawheed of Rububiyyah, His Lordship, the Creator, the Owner, the One who gives life and death and provides all of the creatures, or whether it is in Uluhiyyah or Ubudiyyah, His right to worship, any act of worship that is offered to other than Allah or shared or done for Allah and someone along with Him, or whether it is in Asma wa Sifat, the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, that somebody describes something or someone other than Allah with the descriptions, the perfect descriptions that are exclusive for Him, or His most beautiful names, His Asma, which are exclusive for Him. Describing someone or something else with those Sifat, the perfect descriptions, or Asma, the beautiful names of Allah, this is uh, Shirk. And it is divided into also two divisions, Shirk Akbar and Shirk Asghar, or it may be divided according to the divisions of Tawheed, Shirk in Rububiyyah, or Uluhiyyah, or Asma wa Sifat. And some also said Shirk al Khafi, any hidden Shirk. Mention some of the fawaid or the benefits derived from this chapter. They are as we they are what we have mentioned under each of the four evidences. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. If there are any comments or questions or corrections in the few moments that are remaining. Adhan has been called now. Any comments or any questions? Then just quickly, let me just read one comment. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, in his Sharh Kitab al-Tawheed, amongst the things that he explained in detail, from amongst them is his discussion of sins, al-ma'asi, and he said that sins are divided into two divisions. One division is that which those things that have been prohibited without the mention of any threat of punishment. Those things which have been prohibited without the mention of the threat of any punishment. So the punishment here falls under the general meaning of punishment. Yani those things that Allah has prohibited, it is generally understood that there is some punishment for them, though nothing specific has been mentioned. And these, such sins that no specific punishment has been mentioned for, these are al-ma'asiyah, these are mukaffara. Yani those which can be removed or can be yani alleviated by doing good deeds. And this is similar well, this is what is understood from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that the five prayers and from one Jummah to another and from one Ramadan to another that they are an expiation for what is between them as long as the person avoids the kabair, the major sins. That means they are the minor sins. Those things that can be yani, removed due to doing good deeds. Uh, and this is this has also been re- uh, reported in reference to one Umrah to another and the performance of wudu and so on. These are the sagair. The second division is that which a specific punishment has been mentioned about, such as the curse of Allah, or the anger of Allah, or that Allah and His Messenger are free of those who do such a thing, or that a specific legal punishment has been mentioned for the person who, done, who has done such an act to be punished in this world, or the negation of a person's iman, that they are no longer a believer, whoever does such and such, and so and so, and these are the khabair, and the levels of the khabair differ from one to another. This is the end of what the Sheikh said concerning this.
So we will stop here then if there are no comments or questions. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shabranda ilaha ilaha taqbalka wa tuba ilaha. فكيف تتقون إن كفرتم يوما يجعل الولدان شيبا السماء <تصفيق>